Good morning. Welcome to Church of the Palms. My name is Ethel Webb. I'm the women's fitness instructor here at our church. And I also serve as an usher and a shepherding deacon in our congregation. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. As we prepare for worship, let us bow our heads in prayer. Almighty God, we pray for your blessing on the church in this place. Here may the faithful find salvation and the careless be awakened. Here may the doubting find faith and the anxious be encouraged. Here may the tempted find help and the sorrowful comfort. Here may the weary find rest and the strong be renewed. Here may the aged find consolation and the young be inspired through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Now, as we worship together, may our hearts receive his Holy Spirit, our ears listen to his word, and our voices be raised in praise to the glory of God.
Will you please stand for the call to worship? How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, indeed, it faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh sing for joy to the living God. Happy are those who live in your house, ever singing your praise. Let us worship God. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In humility and faith, let us confess our sin to God. Merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. By what we have done, and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart and mind and strength. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. In your mercy, forgive what we have been. Help us amend what we are and direct what we shall be 
so that we may delight in your will, walk in your ways, to the glory of your holy name. Amen. The mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. I declare to you, in the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. And now may the God of mercy and the God of love, who forgives you all your sins, strengthen you in all goodness, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep you in eternal life. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. Nineteen of our eighth graders have started confirmation, and they will be writing their own faith statements, and we model it after the Apostles' Creed. So let's say this loudly and boldly for our eighth grade students to hear. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. This is that great time where we get to turn and greet one another. If you are nervous about germs, just do this and smile and warmly greet your neighbors.
Good morning. Welcome to worship here at Church of the Palms. We are so delighted to have you with us under this roof that is almost complete. Uh, we are grateful for that. We've been uh, weeks getting a new roof put onto our sanctuary, and we're grateful for your generosity that has helped that to happen. We actually get a new parking lot out there, but you just can't park on it. So, uh, but uh, we're teasing you. We uh, aim to have you on that parking lot next week, uh, maybe without lines and. You may recall my wondering about how Presbyterians will park without lines, but we invite you to, <laughs> you'll in, invite you to come and uh, park there uh, next week. Today is Boy Scout Sunday. You saw men in uniform, perhaps when you walked in, and uh, we are just so tickled to be able to support the Boy Scouts and their uh, great work in our community and their uh, great mentoring and modeling, and uh, love to have all of you gentlemen who have served as Boy Scouts, would you stand up? Come on, don't be humble. Look at those Boy Scouts, huh? Nice. Nice, Scouts honor, yeah, good for you. Girl Scout Sunday is soon to come, so. Uh, we have a new members class today, and we would love for you, if you'd like to learn more about membership here at Church of the Palms, especially if you'd like to learn about affiliate membership, you may have a membership up north, you're down here for the winter, but you'd like to affiliate with us, we would love to talk to you about that. So come and join us at 1015 over in the chapel. We would love to have you there. We uh, also call your attention to several things that are upcoming. Uh, yes, this is Almost the beginning of Lent, Ash Wednesday, it begins the Lenten season, which is this coming Wednesday, Valentine's Day. And uh, we'd love to have you come and join with us as we bring our hearts before the Lord and offer them to our God. And we invite you to be here at 6.30 for that worship experience this coming Wednesday evening. Uh, next Sunday, we have our grand opening for our new and improved library. And you'll wanna stop out at the table underneath the tree and learn more about that. And uh, especially next Sunday, uh, join us as we uh, open up those facilities and uh, show you what wonderful resources we have for you. We, uh, the, the following, following week on February the 25th, Love Life Celebrate is our chance to come together and just celebrate being the Church of the Palms, what God has done and what we anticipate God doing in the future. We will be bringing our stewardship commitments that day and we would love to have you come and join us in that commitment time and in that celebration time. So uh, make a point to be with us. We'll have a picnic out underneath the tree. It's gonna be a day just like today. You can mark my words. And we would love to have you join us for that. Uh, we look forward to on March the 4th uh, for a concert of children for children at risk. And this will be a wonderful community opportunity for us to come together to hear a wonderful piece of music by John Rutter and to then also wonder about children at risk throughout the world. We'll be taking a collection from UNICEF and it will be a time for you to learn more about what is happening here in our community for children at risk. So that will be at 4 p.m. on March the 4th. Don't miss that. You noticed in your bulletin a pink flyer uh, for tables of six, and this is a great opportunity for you to kind of get to know one another a little bit more, a small group uh, for all people, whether you're couples or singles, whether you're young or old, we put you together at tables for tables at six, and you get together on a regular basis to get to know one another and to grow more deeply in relationship with each other. So we would love to have you uh, join us for that. We uh, have another 
three-digit birthday to celebrate. Thelma Weber turned 102 a couple of days ago on February the 8th, uh, mother to Tom Weber. So we are so grateful that Thelma is uh, with us and we're thankful that she is celebrating this major milestone. So we rejoice with the Weber family. And if you know Thelma, please make a point to reach out to her. It's good to have Betsy Traver with us again today from the Sarasota Orchestra. We may not have the music and composer straight in the bulletin, but we got it straight when we invited you. So we are thankful that you are with us and leading us in worship. We have the opportunity always to wonder about how we can respond to God's love for our ourselves, and we are happy today to have Al Gonis with us, who's going to share with us a minute for generosity. Come on forward, Al. Good morning. As Pastor Steve said, I am Al Gonis. My wife Carol and I have been members of the church for the past 10 years. And uh, we've uh, served in various ministries along the way and uh, presently serving in the memorial service ministry. My comments at the annual meeting led Pastor Steve to invite me to share my testimony about why my cup runneth over. My Christian walk began 25 years ago. Prior to my salvation, <coughs> excuse me, prior to my salvation, I attended church regularly, served in the church, including being an elder, but I had no planned giving and I gave sparingly. Following my salvation, I began reading the Bible, listening to Christian radio, and watching television ministries. My learning motivated me to increase my giving, and I began tithing on my net income. But it wasn't long before the Holy Spirit convicted me that God requires us to tithe on our first fruits. That's the gross amount, not the net. One of the scriptures that I cite is from the prophet Malachi, who said to the Israelites, would a man rob God? God said that you have uh, robbed him of tithes and offerings. In addition to God's command to tithe, another aspect of tithing is faith. Faith is a foundation giving God's way and responding to his love. Hebrews chapter 11, the faith chapter, verse 6 says, Without faith it is impossible to please God. You must believe that he is, and he rewards those who diligently seek him. If I trust in Jesus for my salvation, I can surely trust him to provide for me. Faith and giving go hand in hand. So Carol and I stepped out in faith and haven't looked back. God led us out of debt, which gave us freedom to give even more. Each month, Carol and I tithe to God first. The remaining amount determines our lifestyle. Managing the remaining 90% well has given us the opportunity to give offerings above the tithe. Time does not permit me to share stories of how God has worked in our lives so we in turn can bless others. Knowing and trusting God is a blessing in and of itself. He has blessed us with a stronger faith, which leads to his peace. God has blessed us with material things also, but these things come and go. The spiritual blessings are eternal. I hope you have heard that my cup runneth over is about growing in my relationship with God. Growing in the fruit of the Spirit, the Apostle Paul writes about in Galatians chapter 5, is the abundant life Jesus spoke of in the Gospel of John chapter 10. Psalm 37, 4 says, delight, in the, I, delight thyself in the Lord, and he will fulfill the desires of your heart. But be prepared, because God will change the desires of your heart. 
Our church is a very giving congregation. It is a big reason why Carol and I worship here. My prayer is that we will give more than the proposed budget in order to restore the amounts reduced, especially the missions account. James, the half-brother of Jesus, wrote, be doers of the word, not just hearers of the word. You cannot, you cannot outgive our awesome God. He has given us himself, his son, and the Holy Spirit. By his grace, I am standing here today. When I recite the 23rd Psalm, it is very personal and meaningful to me because my cup runneth over. Thank you. Let us bow our hearts in prayer. Holy Father, 
We lift up our hearts to you in worship and praise. We bless you, O Lord, you who forgives all our iniquity, who redeems our lives from the pit, who crowns us with steadfast love and mercy. We give you thanks for loving us just the way we are, and yet too much to leave us this way, and so you draw us ever closer to you, growing our faith in you through exercising us in the trials and temptations and difficulties in the school of life. Help us to remember, while we are in the midst of these things, to turn to you, to remember that you have seen us through before and you will do so again and again and again because you have promised to be with us always, even to the end of the age. But it is often hard for us, O oh God, to trust in that which we cannot see. Right now, some of us are angry at you for what you have allowed in our lives or in the lives of those we hold most dear. Some of us doubt because we haven't yet experienced walking all the way through to the other side of a challenging time with you. So be patient with us, we pray, and help us to remember that you know us better than we know ourselves, that you've engraved our names on the palms of your hands, and that there is nothing that you want more than for your children to climb up on your knee and pour our hearts out to you in sincerity and truth. So we do that now. In a brief moment of silence, each of us will lift up to you the petitions of our hearts. Thank you that you have heard our petitions and that our hearts can be at peace knowing that in answering them, you will act in the way that works out for our highest good. And just like David, the man after your own heart poured out his petitions and grievances to you and then completed his psalms in heartfelt expressions of praise and trust in your infinite goodness. So we do the same. Lord, we praise you and thank you for our many joys and blessings, for how you are at work in and through us, for all the ministries and missions where we have the honor of feeding and clothing your people, teaching your children, bringing counsel and comfort to those who are hurting, and telling everyone who will listen how much you love them and what you have already done for them in your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for all who volunteer and work in our first impressions, music, family, care, kitchen, administration, and discipling ministries. Truly, our cup runneth over, O God, for which we give you thanks. And now here as we pray together the prayer that Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now, let us continue our worship with the presentation of our tithes and offerings.
Let us pray. Gracious God, we long for the time when the meek shall inherit the earth, and all who hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be satisfied.
And we believe that despite the persistence of evil, now is always the time when more good can be done and we can make a difference. May it be so through the offering of these gifts and the offering of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated, and now we invite the children to come forward for the children's moment with Miss Lori. Thanks, Carolyn. Maddie, that didn't really count. I think that's a false start. Like, I waited until she said amen before I left. Good job, though, getting here. So I hope to see you guys here on Ash Wednesday. It's like Valentine's Day, the greatest love ever given. There's a really special thing planned for all of you guys. 6.30 on Ash Wednesday. So I have a question for you. I want you to tell me what you think these guys might have in common. Martin Luther King Jr., President John Kennedy, uh, basketball great Michael Jordan, astronaut Neil Armstrong, even the lead singer for Imagine Dragons, um, Reynolds, Reynolds, Dan Reynolds. Do you think you know? What do you think? They're all famous. They are all famous. You got me there. They have something else in common. Okay, I'm going to give you a clue. I would like to introduce my friend Alex Vefeus to come forward. Alex is an eighth grader in our confirmation class, and he is also a Boy Scout. All of those men, those great famous men, were Boy Scouts. And I think it would be so cool for Alex to teach us a little bit about Boy Scouts. I've got to tell you, I have five daughters, was a Girl Scout leader for a long, long time. I don't know a lot about this. So I'm going to ask, do you guys have an oath? Yes, we do. You do have, do you have to do something like with your fingers yeah. with, for your oath? What do you do? So you put your three fingers together. You make a sign like this. Okay. And you said something about an angle. Yeah. Make a right angle. Got to know a little geometry. So in a right angle like that, that's four fingers, but that's okay because you're little. Okay. <laughs> All right, so tell us, what's the first part of that oath? On my honor, I will do my best. On my honor, I will do it. You know how like, God gave us all gifts, and it just delights him when we do our very best. What's something that you're good at that you can do well? Um, dancing and art. Dancing and art. And you have a really quick step. Don't give up sprinting. Yeah. Moxie, what else? Basketball. Basketball. Excellent. That's so cool when God uses those gifts and we try to be our best at it. Hold that thought. I've got another question in a minute. What's the next part? To do my duty to God and my country. Oh, to God. You know the first part of our mission statement is to love God and then we have a pretty awesome country, so it is great for us to respect and support our country. What else? To obey the scout law. Oh, do you guys know the scout law? Yeah, me either. What's the scout law? A scout is trustworthy, loyal, helpful, friendly, courteous, kind, obedient, cheerful, thrifty, brave, clean, and reverent. Wow, that is so awesome. Kind of makes me want to be a scout here. It also reminds me of the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Very cool. What's next? To help other people at all times. Oh. Well, the second part of our mission statement, love God, love neighbor, how could you help someone? What could you do, do you think, that would help someone? Do you have an idea? All right, hold that thought. What do you think? Maybe help them with 
the backyard if they need help. I love that. You know, we raked a lot of yards after her, er, Herma. Irma. Yeah, what else, Maddie? Um, if someone falls, you could help them back up. Oh my gosh, that's right. Okay, go on. What, what else? To keep myself physically strong. We have the new Palm Center. We can all start making ourselves physically strong. Yes. Mentally awake. Like caffeine. Yeah, more, like <laughs> keeping, more like keeping your mind open to new possibilities. Keeping our mind open. All right, check. What else? And morally straight. Yeah, like what does that mean? Like to follow your morals and do what you and God would think is right. Wow, very cool, like honesty, integrity, I think kindness, very cool. Thank you so much for, so can we be honorary Boy Scouts just for the day? Sure. Thank you. So Alex, would you be willing to close us in prayer? No problem. All right, so let's repeat after Alex. Dear God. Dear God. Thank you for Boy Scouts. Thank you for Boy Scouts. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for loving us. Help us to serve others. Help us to serve others with great love. With great love. Amen. Amen.
be seated. So we continue this morning in our series, My Cup Overflows, wondering about what the overflow life looks like and how we might put ourselves in better position to uh, live out of abundance as opposed to out of scarcity and realizing that our understanding of scarcity and abundance has little to do with how many things we have, but how much spirit there may be within us that would overflow into the world. So to that end, we're going to take a look at John chapter 9, <clears throat> beginning at the first verse. Hear the word of God. As Jesus walked along, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, oh, neither this man nor his parents sinned that he was born blind, so that God's works might be revealed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And when he had said this, he spat on the ground and made mud with the saliva and spread the mud on the man's eyes, saying to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. And then he went and washed and came back able to see. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar began to ask, is this not the man who used to sit and beg? And some were saying, it is he. Others were saying, no, but it's someone like him. He kept saying, I am the man. But they kept asking him, then how were your eyes open? And he answered, the man called Jesus, made mud, spread it on my eyes, said to me, go to the Siloam and wash. Then I went and washed and received my sight. And they said to him, where is he? He said, I don't know. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had been formerly blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. And then the Pharisees also began to ask him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, uh, he put mud on my eyes, then I washed, and now I see. And some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not observe the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who is a sinner perform such signs? And they were divided. So they again said to the blind man, what do you say about him? Is, it was your eyes he opened. And he said, he is a prophet. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Open our eyes, O God, that we may see glimpses of truth that you have for us. We pray that you will have us to know and to understand that which is found here within your word, that these words may point to the word just read into the word made flesh in Jesus the Christ, for we pray this in his name. Amen. Sometimes it is difficult or inconvenient to see things up close. Miroslav Volf, the Yale theologian and native of the old Yugoslavia, tells the story of adopting their son, Nathaniel. 
They had been put in contact with a pregnant, unwed, soon-to-be mother who wanted to give up her baby for adoption, and arrangements were made, and about three months later came the phone call. The little boy had entered the world. The Vols couldn't sleep all night in preparation for going to the hospital to bring home their adopted son. They stopped for a donut on the way, and in leaving the donut shop parking lot, the excited father turned the wrong way on a one-way street directly in front of a police officer. The lights of the officer's car began flashing, so the couple pulled over just minutes away from the hospital and receiving their newborn child. Eager to explain this to the officer and used to the Yugoslavian custom that when stopped by a police officer, you were obligated to get out of the car, the professor stepped out of the car only to hear the officer yell, get in the car. But you don't understand, officer. I, 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 just, I just want to tell you, get back in the car, the officer yelled which the professor did, license and registration. And from there, the air from the balloon of adoption steadily and finally escaped until they got handed a ticket and a stern warning from the officer, next time, pay attention. Professor Wolf does not blame the officer. After all, it was he who made the mistake. The officer was just doing his job and maybe, just maybe, got out of the bed on the wrong side. But the encounter was a jolting reminder that two human beings can be this close and yet be so far. The excitement of new life, the enforcement of the law, Sometimes it is difficult or inconvenient to see things up close. Now, medically speaking, we all know this to be the case. If you are above the age of 40 or you understand that the older you get, the more difficult it is to see things up close. It is the rare person over 50 who doesn't have to invest in a pair of readers or sometimes called cheaters the older you get, the more difficult it is to see things up close. There is a medical term for it. It's called presbyopia. I'm not kidding you. <laughs> it's called presbyopia. You can Google it, preferably not right now. <laughs> presbyopia, presby, the Greek root for elder or old man, and opia, the Greek root for eyes, old man's eyes, presbyopia. The increasing inability to see things up close. It may be the only eye disorder that we can commonly bring, most of us, to this story this morning about the man born blind. It's a long story, and we only read the start of it. Jesus comes across a man born blind, and chooses in the moment to heal this man of his blindness. And he does it in a rather unique way, mixing saliva with the dust of the earth, two basic elements of life, dust and water, and, and tells the man to then wash in the nearby public pool, and mysteriously and miraculously the man is able to see. But then something strange happens. The crowd and the religious leaders can't quite see what's happened. They can't quite see up close enough to understand what has taken place. They are trying as best as they can to explain this away. 
even to suggest not that something right has happened, but that maybe something wrong has happened, that the seeing man is an imposter, that Jesus has broken the laws of the Sabbath, anything that would keep them from seeing up close what has really taken place. A blind man, man can now see. And so the story ironically unfolds, a blind one ends up seeing, and the seeing ones end up going blind. It was just too difficult. It was just too inconvenient to see things up close. It may be John, the gospel writer's way of telling us that while Jesus most certainly exhibited the power to physically heal the physically blind, there may be as much concern that he had and maybe the more common concern that he had was the spiritually healing of the spiritually blind. Remember the story of good King David, you know, who finally arrives at the pinnacle of Israelite society, the high king in his high palace. But, but being king gets you pretty far away from the people. And before you know it, you really don't see them as people anymore. And that's when the good king looks down and sees Bathsheba. But he's far enough away just to see a beautiful woman, but not another man's wife. And so they have their affair and she conceives. And now the king is far enough away not to see Bathsheba's husband as a comrade, but to see him as a foil. And before we know it, Uriah is dead in a great cover-up. And the king still can't see what he's done. And then Nathan tells them the story about a, a rich man stealing a poor man's lamb. And now, oh, now the king can see in that story who's right and who's wrong. But he still can't see himself. And Nathan says, look real close. You are the man. Sometimes it is difficult or inconvenient or painful to see things up close. Because isn't it true, we Presbyopians, or soon to be Presbyopians, that the real concern that Jesus might have with us is not how much we need these little cheaters, but how much we may need to deal with our own spiritual blindness, the increasing inability or the increasing indifference to see things up close. Because the truth is, it gets a whole lot easier and easier the further and further we back we step and see the world in these rather large and incomplete categories. These kinds of people fit here, those kinds of people fit there. This issue is all about this, this issue is all about that. And the further and further we get away from it, the clearer and clearer it seems to become. And, and then two minutes of reading about it or hearing about it in the news is sufficient for some reason to help us to understand exactly all of what's going on. And it affords us the chance to pronounce these rather broad judgments about these rather broad groupings of people. And before I know it, the guy who turned the wrong way is just another dope who isn't paying attention. I can get this close and not see what I'm seeing. It makes me think of my first trip to Honduras years ago. 
Five years before going, I could not have located Honduras on the map except to guess that it was probably somewhere in Central America. Honduras was just one of those struggling Latin American mismanaged countries that was really poor and it isn't a shame they can't quite figure it all out and maybe just maybe they're getting what they deserve. But then the Global Partners Committee in the church I last served caught a vision for Honduras and they started traveling down there trip after trip, they, not me. But then it came time for me, and I went down, and I got face to face, not with Honduras, but with Hondurans. And they turned out to be these uh, human beings. Old folk, little children, rich, poor, good, and bad. It was not a hallmark moment. No, the closer you get, the more complicated it gets but they were real, they were dust and water and spirit, and they had hurts and hopes, and they each had these stories that lasted longer than two minutes. Can you imagine that? And I don't know, maybe I've made a dozen trips down there, and yet I still can't get out of my mind this little seven-year-old Maria I met on my first trip who laughed just like my little seven-year-old laughed and cried just like my little seven-year-old cried and dream just like my little seven-year-old dreamed. And she doesn't fit into any of these big old categories. I hate that. I hate that when people don't fit into my little categories. And yet what I, what I like, when I'm able to step up close, what I like is that Maria turns on this little valve inside my soul and I start, I start wondering, what can I do for, for her? And I see inside myself not scarcity, but actually more than I need. When I put my life against hers, I all of a sudden have more than I need. And not because of me, but because of her, my cup starts to overflow. It's the kind of thing that happens when we, when we put on these spiritual cheaters and see up close a, a valve opens and our cup runneth over. It makes me think of a man in a church in which I grew up. I will call his name Jim. Jim sent his oldest son off to fight in the Vietnam War, praying that his boy would come home alive. He didn't come home alive. Instead, they held a funeral with military honors and Jim received from the honor guard the sacred folded flag. And then in 1975, in his effort to bring healing to the nation, President Gerald Ford instituted the first amnesty for those who had fled the country to avoid the draft. This incensed Jim. His boy went and died those boys ran away and lived. So Jim did the only thing he thought to do. He took the sacred flag that had draped his son's casket and put it in a box and sent it to the White House. If that's what you think of my son's sacrifice, well then you can have back your flag. Such was the view from Detroit to Washington. Then a week later, Jim got a phone call from the White House. The president receives your flag. He wishes to meet with you. Would you be willing to spare a few minutes for the president? 
Jim was enough of a patriot to believe that when the comrade commander-in-chief calls you, you come. So he went, and they ushered him into the blue room, and he sat, and in a couple of minutes in walked President Gerald R. Ford, and under his arm, the flag of Jim's son. And the president sat, and the two fathers talked, the two veterans talked, the two Americans talked. And at the end of it, the president said to Jim, it is because of sons like yours that made my decision so very difficult. Allow not my hope to heal the country to diminish in any way the value of your son's sacrifice. And on behalf of a grateful country and a grateful president, please accept again this flag. And Jim generously and graciously accepted again the flag of his son. And from that point on, there wasn't much President Ford could do that his brother Jim would not support. The view is a little different the closer you get. So the story is told of a time near the first part of the last century when the great concert pianist Ignacy Jan Paderewski was invited by a couple of students at Stanford University to give a concert on their campus. It was a plot on the part of the students to raise enough money for themselves to help pay their tuition, which they couldn't afford. The great Paderewski agreed to come for a fee of $2,000. He came, performed a wonderful concert, and when the concert was over, the two students showed up backstage and with forlorn faces informed the great pianist that they had only raised $1,600 in ticket sales and they were $400 short and hadn't even paid the expenses. They handed Paderewski a check for $1,600 and asked if it, all, if it was at all possible they could give him an IOU for the remaining $400 and they would work to earn the money and send it to him when he returned to Poland. Paderewski thought a moment and then in front of the students took the $1,600 check and tore it in two and said, I'm sorry you didn't raise the money, boys, but I'll tell you what, you take the $1,600, pay your expenses, and keep the rest. Years later, after Paderewski had returned to his native Poland, World War I broke out, and in its aftermath, much of Europe was laid waste. Paderewski had since been elected Prime Minister of Poland and was preparing himself to intervene with the United States to assist his starving Polish and European countrymen. But prior to his trip, President Herbert Hoover made the decision to open up the storehouses of America and ship food to Poland and the rest of Europe. Paderewski made the trip to the U.S. to thank the President for his gracious act of humanitarian aid. And what can we ever do, he said, to repay you? Hoover waved aside the question and reminded the great pianist that he was one of the two Stanford students whose debt he had forgiven. So without my glasses, things get pretty fuzzy the closer I look. And every ounce in my body wants to get clarity by moving further and further back. But the further and further back I go, the less folks look like they're human. And the less they, human they get to me, the less human I get. The less human they get, the less generous I get. And I wonder if that wasn't why the good old Lord came down long ago, stepped out of his high palace, 
showed up in a dirty old stable in a one-horse town and ended up walking the dusty trails of Palestine and stopping by the blind and the lepers and the poor and the forgotten, stopping and stooping and looking real close. And then after looking real close, stretched out his arms real, real wide, nailed them to a beam in order to keep them that wide, and said, now that I've seen you, this is how much I love you. It's the kind of thing that happens the closer you look. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen.
Thank <laughs> you.